Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together where we can spend um, the next you know, little while really looking at your word. Please be speaking to us, teaching us, and changing us to be more like our glorious Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So I think to, it's fair to say that relationships and family, they occupy a pretty um, big space in our lives. You know, as I drop off kids at school, I, I see parents, I see grandparents, I see carers and brothers and sisters all sort, sort of converging on the one place at the right one time. It's a, it's a phenomenon that happens at 8.45 and 3 o'clock every day. Um, relationships are a great gift from God. Uh, they're foundational to our society. Um, and yet relationships, as you well know, are hard work. You know, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's difficult to find a partner. Sometimes it's difficult to keep relationships going, ongoing. Um, relationships are difficult to find and keep. And caught up in all of this is the key area of society, marriage, family, marriage and family. And I don't have to tell you that marriage and family and family life are often far from perfect. There are something like 120,000 marriages, uh, weddings, yeah, weddings per year in Australia. But about one in three marriages end in divorce. And on average, a marriage lasts about 12 years. And so for us, what God says here in Ephesians, what God says about marriage and family is of vital importance for us to hear. We need to hear God's word. Because our relationships often aren't what they should be. Because, but the good news is that God is absolutely concerned with marriage and family life. You see, as we trust in the Lord Jesus, he gets to work transforming us, not only us, but our relationships with each other uh, and our marriages and our family relationships as well. And Jesus, I want to say, makes a world of difference to relationships. The Christian family is a family. It's a family united to the Lord Jesus and in a world which doesn't really know how to figure out relationships at all, uh, this is really good news. So I want to say that all of us, whether we're married or we're not married, whether we're a kid, grown up, whether we're single, whether we're not looking to marry, whether we are looking to marry, I want to say that everyone, if you're a human being, is invested in marriage in one form or another. If we're Christians, we all want marriages to be growing by God's grace into what God intends them to be. So I've got a couple of points or three points today. And the last one is directed to children. So I'm going to speak directly to the kids. So grown-ups, you can listen in, but I'm talking to the kids at that point. All right, so keep an ear open for that. So first of all, I want to say this passage isn't addressing the person who isn't married. If you're called to live a life as a single person, that's wonderful, that's good and godly. It's just that this passage here is about marriage. So don't feel like you're left out here. If you're not married, let me assure you that you're still a valued member of God's community and God's family, even if, and we all have a stake in marriage and helping each other in our marriages. We all want our marriages to be strong. So firstly, in chapter 5, verse 21 onwards, we see God speaking to wives, to 
married women. The Apostle Paul will go on to speak to husbands and also children. And you see, family's like a little ecosystem. You know, they're a web of relationships. You know, in an ecosystem between bacteria and the soil, plants and animals, and a place. That's what an ecosystem is, right? An ecosystem is all the parts working together uh, in harmony with each other. And that's what kind of like what marriage and family is meant to be. Wives and husbands and children designed by God to work together. So firstly, Paul speaks to wives. Back in verse 18, as we saw last week, Paul has been teaching about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And here he continues this line of thought. What does it mean for someone to be filled with the Spirit? Well, from verse 21, it means submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. But then the question comes about, what does it actually mean to submit to one another in the fear of Christ? What does that mean? Well, verse 22 is where we pick it up. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Well, maybe this verse is eyebrow raising for you. It is for many people. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, I was we were talking to a friend of ours and she was at a conference speaking about men and women and how they relate to each other and the difference between men and women. And she got huge blowback, huge feedback uh, that was kind of nasty about this. People wrote newspaper articles about it too. Um, it was slander for simply stating what God says. What does it mean for a wife to submit to a husband? Well, submission is about putting oneself under the authority of another. In the marriage relationship, it's about a woman willingly acknowledging the leadership of a husband. Why? For the sake of a healthy and harmonious marriage. I think of the coronavirus situation. I think it's a good example of what um, submission in, in life looks like. We submit to various rules about spacing and checking in and all that sort of thing. Now, it's good for us to submit to how our civil leaders. It's an example of submission, right? So it is with wives to their husbands. And if you think about it, God says a lot about men and women in the Bible. We read about it in Genesis. Now, kids, I think these kids here have been looking at the New City Catechism. Have you been looking at the New City Catechism in Gospel Training Kids? Yeah? I wonder if you can help me out. Right. Now, I think it's question four. I might be wrong. If I ask the question, how and why did God create us? Do you know the answer? How and why did God create us? You first. How and why did God create us? Do you remember? Sorry? Yes. Yes, there's a little bit more to it. Can you fill in the rest, Ned? Go, Harriet. What is it? Glorify God. That's right. That's right. God created us male and female in his own image to glorify him. Fantastic. You see, every one of us are made in God's image. Men and women, we're both equally saved by the Lord Jesus. We're both equally united to him. We equally have eternal life. Both members of the church, both part of the bride of Christ, all sharing the one faith, one baptism, one Holy Spirit. And yet, the Bible also teaches there's real difference between men and women. 
male and female. Not, and that there is an order, not of significance or worth, we're all in God's image, right? But an order to how God designed humanity. And this comes into play in marriage. And Paul gives the motive, verse 22, wives submit to the husbands as to the Lord. You see, as to the Lord. Submission is a part of what it means for a wife to follow Jesus. Notice here, it's not submission to all men. It's not talking about workplace relationships or things like that. It's about marriage and to their husbands. Nor does it say here that wives are to blindly follow everything, whatever what their husbands say. It doesn't say that. Especially if the husband's leading the wife into doing a sin or sinning against them. But wives are to voluntarily submit to the leadership of their husband, to the Lord. So Paul outlines what this means, verse 23, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. So Paul gets to the why question here. The reason is because of Christ and the church. The particular role husbands have in marriage. Marriage relationships, you see, are to reflect Christ and the church. Christ is the head of the church. What does this mean? Well, earlier in Ephesians, Paul's been speaking about what it means for Jesus to be head of the church. So in chapter 1, verses 20 to 23, we see that Christ raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's above all other authorities and rulers. He's, he exercises his authority over evil powers for the church. Jesus' headship, his rule, is for the church. So it's for the church. I'm going to say that again. For the church. This is important because we, when we think about headship. So how does Christ rule as the head of the church? Well, he defeats evil. How does he do that? By taking on weakness, coming into this world with human flesh, suffering, enduring trials. And he does it for the church, for our benefit. That's what Jesus' headship's all about. Yes, there's authority there, but he ex exercises his authority over his enemies and he does battle with the devil, evil powers for the benefit of his people. This is why in chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says here that Jesus is the saviour of the body. So that's what marriage is meant to reflect, that headship. Like Jesus, it's outward facing leading in life for the sake of the other, a self-giving, sacrificial, laying down of everything kind of headship. That's what it means. And so in this context, the wife is to willingly submit to the husband's leadership. Verse 24 summarizes the point. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to the husbands in everything. So as we all submit, all of us submit to Jesus in everything, wives don't get to pick and choose where to submit to their husbands within appropriate bounds of God's word. You know, families are a complex web of relationships. As my kids grow up, you know, they're learning what it means to be a son and a daughter, a cousin. They have different grandparents and perhaps one day they'll be mums and dads themselves and grandparents. You know, that cycle of family goes on until one day the goal of marriage is complete and new creation. But our marriages now point to a time when God will wrap things up when there won't be any weddings. 
when we'll all be together as brothers and sisters, all sons of God and new creation, the bride will be with her husband, the church with Christ. Until then, we all fit within this web of relationships somehow. And there is authority in some of these relationships, whether we're married or single. We're all called to submit to Christ's rule. Just as we're all called to submit to church leaders and civil authority as well. But in particular for wives, she is to submit to her husband. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, this is not only possible, but how marriage actually works best for God's intention. How God intends it to be. So Paul continues on now to speak to husbands from verse 25 on. Because in this area, we can't actually get the idea that this text excuses husbands' bad behaviour or in a domineering kind of way, or even calls husbands to ask their wives to submit to them. No, this isn't the picture we get here. The husbands to go about life, whatever he does, business, work, organising stuff, mowing the lawn, cooking the meal, cleaning the bathroom, whatever he does. In the outside world and in the house, it's to be done for the wife. Following Jesus as a husband means working for the well-being and benefit of his wife. And this is a really high calling. The bar is set very high here, if you notice. He, the husband, is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. So verses 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Christ is the husband's example. The husband is to love like Christ, love the church. So verse 25 here, it says, it's a sacrificial, self-sacrificing love. It's a Jesus gave himself for his church. Is that the, the... Oh, I think we've got to that verse, right? Yeah, okay. 26. It's a love that makes the church holy. Jesus cleanses and washes the church, purifying his people from sin by his death for us, rids us of impurity and the guilt of our sin, and through the word of God washes us clean. Verse 27. Christ makes his people... Beautiful, glorious, pure and perfect. Cleansed from sin and holy, standing holy before him. And this is what Jesus has done for us. It's done for me and for you. This is what love looks like. Jesus loves his people who didn't love him. People who are enemies of him, but now washed clean and made pure. His love makes us shine with splendor. Not because we purified ourselves, but because of his love for us in giving himself for his church. And in a mysterious, incredible way, this is what a husband's actually called to as well, to reflect in his marriage, to love his wife. You know, it's more than romance, better than Valentine's Day. Husbands, it's a love their wives to make them shine with splendor and holiness. 
That's the calling of a husband. The husband is to lead their wives to be more like Christ. So verse 28, In the same way husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, For no one hates his own flesh but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. <coughs> so husbands, love yourself. That's what Paul's saying, love yourself. No, it's not, that's not self-centered at all, it's, but it sounds kind of wrong. No, you see, marriage is more about the one than the two, united together as one, not two separate people doing their own thing. As a husband prioritizes his wife, cares for her, it's though he's loving himself. This union of two into one is mysterious in a hugely significant way as a symbol for Christ in the church. The church is the bride of Christ and we're his body, united him in his body. So if you're married, your marriage is to be a reflection, a mirror of what it means to be a Christian as part of the body of Christ. You know, we live in a world where people are wondering if there's a better way to be human. They're trying to figure that out. So now we're free to do what we want with who we want. And yet there is so much discontentedness around. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's so much unhappiness around us. And so perhaps when people look at a Christian marriage, they'll see a couple giving themselves to each other and being willing to covenant to restrict their own freedoms willingly to each other, to obligate themselves to the other with, it, with, that, with certain expectations of what that means. It is, as Paul writes, verse 33, that each of one of you is to love his wife as himself and the, and the wife is to respect her husband. This is what we're called to in our marriages. And if that happens, it, maybe, just maybe, if we live like this, our homes our pla- will be places of joy, peace, contentedness. And perhaps your friends and co-workers might start to wonder what's going on in, over in that family. I want some of what they've got, they might think. Maybe I want to know how they can live like that. Christian marriage, when it's working, sticks out. It witnesses to Jesus' love for his church. So in our marriages, whoever we are, we need to be able to admit when we're wrong. There's got to be a lot of repentance in marriage. Just imagine what it'd be like to be married to yourself, right? What a frightful idea. We constantly need to repent of our sins, our pride, because your spouse is the one who most likely cops it. Repentance, repent of your stubbornness or anger or grudges and also be willing to forgive your spouse. You know, preaching to myself as much as everyone else. We all need God's grace here. But these kind of marriages are actually possible. This is what God calls us toward. Two steps sword, one step back a lot of the time, but this is the calling we have. And this is what all of us are called to pray about for others. 
By God's grace, through the work of the Spirit, a Christian marriage is to be designed to be a living Christian marriage is actually designed to be a living model, a representation of Jesus and his bride. How amazing is that? Now Paul moves into the part where another part of the ecosystem, the one that's about knee-high and running around all the time. It's, about, it's the place of children in the family. So not every marriage will end up with children, but it's the kind of the general trajectory of marriage to have little tackers running around. So because Paul's speaking to children here, I'm going to do that. Now, children... Kids, all right. Children, I'm going to read out a part of the Bible for you. Harriet, listen in. This is for you. Paul is actually writing to kids. Imagine that. Well, all the Bible's for you, but Paul's really talking to you right now. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So what does God tell us here in this part of the Bible? Obey your mom and dad. Yeah? Honour your mother and father. Even when dad is cranky. Yeah, that happens a lot, doesn't it, Ned? Yeah. Even when mom asks you to do something which you find annoying. Yeah. Like packing up your toys. Or sweeping up the mess. Yeah. Putting away your clothes. Don't go. Or, Instead, do what God says and obey your parents. Do what they tell you to do. Why? Because God actually gives you mums and dads. These are God's gift for you. He loves you. That's why he's given you that them. He wants what's best for your family. Honour your father and mother. God has made them to be your mum and dad. So listen to them. They love you and they want you to grow up knowing Jesus and that he loves you as well. And if you do that, family life really works well. So we all need to foster good family relationships as we all follow Christ. And this happens in the church as well, right? We're all brothers and sisters. We're all in relationship with each other. It looks different in different life stages. Uh, you know, we need to keep in touch with each other as Christians. We need to visit. We need to call, care for each other. Do brotherly and sisterly kind of things. And as God says here, it's a blessing to have a good family relationship. We've been loved by God, our Father. So as Christians, we can reflect this love uh, in response to our own earthly parents and also in the church. Now, there's a word for dads here as well. Verse 4. Okay. <clears throat> Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it's about helping your kids in their relationship with God rather than making them angry, right? Lead your family. Raise your kids to love Jesus. That's what you, that's the role you've been given. 
that what that's what it means to be a father. I think it's important here to to realize that we're to raise our kids not to revere our children. Um, we're to bring them up to follow God, not to bow down to them as gods. You know, I have a friend who was raised in Bhutan, and as a child, she was literally told she was a god. Her family's religion taught that kids are divine, and she's to be treated like that, and she lived like that as a kid. And as she was telling me this, I was thinking, this is exactly how many Australians treat their children as well, as little gods. Now, I love my kids, and we all should love our children, but children make terrible gods. Yep. Hey, yes. No, let's not go there. <laughs> we aren't to bow at the feet of our kids. No, we're all to bow at the feet of Jesus. This is the goal of Christian life, right? To grow more like Christ. And this is what this is Paul's instruction to fathers and mothers. Like in marriage, there is to be a givenness to the spouse. So in family life, parents to love their kids. This even means waking up. Every night for a couple of weeks, uh, in the middle of the night, little kids means time, it means energy, it means money, um, and it's a, it's a sacrifice to raise children. And we do we're to do all this knowing that our, that this is a witness to God's grace for us. Children see our lives and all the good and bad bits, and. It, our lives to reflect Christ, that God loves them and they're to see that in us and the way we treat them. So dads, lead your family in the worship of God. Pray with your children. Teach them how to read the Bible. Teach them songs, model, set an example. Love God, love neighbour. And even teach them what it means to be a husband or a wife, a father, or a mother. Because one day, your children will probably grow up and get married themselves and they'll just follow what you did from your example. So I'm praying that in all my own mistakes, by God's grace, you know, our, our family will grow up knowing Christ and his word. So as we finish, our relationships, they're not often, they aren't what they should be. We're all growing. We're all works in progress. We live in a world where marriage and family is contested idea. This is a very contested idea, this passage. But this is God's word for us. There's awful, an awful lot of sin in family life and marriage. And yet this is what God calls us toward. This is the vision of marriage is to be a mirror which reflects Christ in the church. And the good news is that God is for our marriages and family. Our marriages and family, our relationships, are designed by Him to be lived for Him. It's by God's grace, His Spirit in us, that we're to call, like husbands are called to lead the family well as Christ loves the church and love their wives and their children and wives to respect their husbands and do this to the Lord and children to obey and honour their mum and dad. And whoever we are, we all have an interest in healthy marriages. And um, as a church, we must know we're loved by Christ. And we look to him for help to do this. Let me pray and we'll finish up. Lord, whoever we are, we ask that marriages in our church 
uh, in people we know who are married, in our city, the world, be strengthened by your grace. We pray for our children. Please, Lord, be with them. We ask that they'd grow up knowing Christ and knowing you more and more. We pray for wives, we pray for husbands, for an increasing growth in holiness and an eagerness to forgive and say sorry as you have forgiven us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to take an interest in marriage, in the health of each other's marriages in our church family as we all seek to follow Jesus. And please, Lord, may you use our family relationships to be a witness to others, people we know. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.